0: and I found the field of positive psychology, which I'm, I'm sure you've heard of, but it's not the, it's not positive psychology in the sense that you're, quote, ha- working to be happy, but it's positive psychology um, out of the University of Pennsylvania, Martin Seligman, Seligman's work around what uh, lets people thrive, what are the, like, some of the evidence-based things that lets people optimize their lives and really flourish in the world. And then they identify certain pillars. And and I, I thought that was just fabulous.
1: They say that life is full of opportunities, right? So why are so many of us dreading getting out of bed to face another day? I know what that's like. My life was full of conflict, stress, failure, and fear. When I got cancer for the second time, my choice was simple, change or die. Today, I love waking up. I love my life. I love owning my own business that is helping people learn and grow. So how do you unlock that kind of transformation in your life? Let's discover the answers together as we hear from ordinary people like you and me and their extraordinary success stories. My name is Donna Gammon and this is Power to Grow. Welcome everyone to our show today. I have a very special guest that has an amazing story that I cannot wait to share with you. So Kirsten Besky is with us today and she has a very unique story that she's going to be sharing with us and sharing how she went from Well, I'm going to actually let her share the story of her, but I'm going to do a little introduction. With over a decade as clinical psychotherapist and known mindset coach, Kirsten is busy optimizing the human experience and fostering personal growth. She willingly shares the professional knowledge, wisdom, and skills that she has acquired throughout her career with those ready for the next level of change and transformation. However, Kirsten's personal transformation story is truly moving from lawyer to psychotherapist, straight identified to gay identified, and drinking to sobriety provides lessons in inspiration, hope, and real life resilience. Kirsten, thank you so much for joining us today. I really appreciate that. Welcome to our show.
0: It's good to be here.
1: Well, Kirsten, I'm going to let you actually share more about your story and that backstory. I mean, you went from lawyer to psychotherapist, from straight identity to gay identity, and from drinking to sobriety. So you've kind of got a few things there. So share with us a little bit about your backstory where you started.
0: Sure, um, it sounds like a lot, it happened over a long period of time, so it didn't, it wasn't so dramatic along the way <laughs> in the lived experience, but I think it, it all started very, very traditionally, you know, I went to college, I was an athlete, um, because I was an athlete, I played tennis at Harvard, um, I, I thought the law m- might be interesting, because litigation, you um, is, you know, people competing back and forth and trying to win, win their case. And so I took a year as a paralegal after I finished college. And I, I worked for a wonderful small law firm. And they, they had a pretty good life. And they all had good time and didn't work too hard. So I thought, wow, being a lawyer, just suits me very well. And so I did end up going to law school. And, uh, then I got a job out of law school at a larger law firm. Again, not 150 lawyers in Boston is kind of mid-sized back when I practiced law and I still enjoyed it. Um, and I did enjoy kind of the mental games and the, you know, positioning to see who, you know, that you could be the best advocate for your client. I also went into the law because I thought that you could, um, you know, help change things for good, right? So there was this idea that we could actually, um, you know, work towards change. Uh, I graduated law school with quite a bit of loan debt because I put myself through school. And so that required me to then go work for the larger law firm, which then meant I was working for the larger clients, you know, the big corporations. And so that all played out for over a decade. Um, eventually I, I met my husband, we moved to Vermont and we had a couple kids uh, about the time I was a, a partner in the law firm. And so everything was going along, ostensibly fine. I was enjoying my time oh, my. practicing <laughs> law, and, and when you practice law in Vermont at a small firm, it, it actually is quite leisurely compared to the high-pressure jobs of the big city. And um, so I had. Uh, we got pregnant with my first child and it turns out I had to be on bed rest for the last three months of that pregnancy. Mm-hmm. So, well, no, you know, you do what you need to do. So I practiced mm-hmm. law from the lazy boy recliner in the living room for three months. <laughs> um, I had my first child, everything looked great, went in for a one week baby, well baby visit after, and um, was told by the doctor, Hmm, your child looks, uh, is your child upset? And I'm looking at my baby and I'm like, no. And they bring, come back and they're like, wait here for a minute. And came back with the EKG machine, hook her up. And then like, hmm, can you please take your baby and walk to the emergency room that's across campus and I'll meet you there. And so we ended up in full blown oh. blue, you know, emergency. Cause I guess um, her heart was in a tachycardia beating like 300 something beats a minute. Um, So that would head towards congestive heart failure and death if they didn't fix it. So they they were on the phone to the big hospital up at Dartmouth and they're sending down a helicopter. And I was just, you know, in that tunnel zone of like, oh my goodness. So I got a helicopter ride to Dartmouth. And luckily, right when we got in the helicopter, the nurse says to me, mom, um, the baby's heart has slowed down. I guess when they clinked the her little incubator thing into the helicopter, the loud noise they thought jolted her out of the tachycardia. They still didn't know why, but basically I was told, don't worry, she will not die on this ride in the helicopter. So Ooh, that was, and no, so indeed. I won't, you know, belabor the whole story, but it ended up with, you know, weeks at Dartmouth, not knowing if it was uh, what it was, and then it was maybe a blood clot. Then it turns out it was a tumor that was causing her heart to go into tachycardia which meant a trip to Boston Children's Hospital where all of the very wise doctors decided because it was the kind of tumor that might go away by the time she was three or not, should they take it out or shouldn't they? And they all decided eventually, yes, we should take it out, which meant like open heart bypass surgery on this little itty bitty five, you know, five, eight pound baby um, at three weeks old. Right. And and the good news was she survived. She's fine. She's a thriving young adult who just turned 21. Um, (laughs) So it it all was, was ended up like, fine. So we actually said out loud to each other, well, nothing can be worse than open heart surgery on a baby. Um, You know, let's have another one. And so unfortunately we found out what can be worse than open heart surgery on your baby um, because I was pregnant again. And instead of going on bed rest, um, 9-11 happened, if you recall, 9-11, wow. and um, I'm from, uh, grew up in the New Jersey, New York metropolitan area when I was younger, so my, my first boyfriend actually um, passed away in one of the towers um, after 9-11, and I was hoping to go to his service, you know, if you recall that we didn't really know who was missing and who wasn't for a couple of weeks really after, mm-hmm. so I was pregnant, I checked with my doctor, is it okay if I travel to this funeral, Doctor said yes, and I went into premature labor that night. Um, and so my poor little guy um, came out over three months early. He was his due date was January seventh, and he he was born September twenty sixth. Mm-hmm. He was one pound eleven ounces, and we were given very little hope that he was gonna come out alive or you know unscathed. Um, and so that was a huge ordeal of three months plus, you know, in the hospital almost dying several times some surgery here some surgery there you know goodness, the poor thing goodness. at this the end cool. of the story is he is now a beautiful 19 year old young man um and ran you know cross countries functions fabulously However, the journey that I went through as mom for this kid who was um, while he was an infant pretty high needs really threw me off, you know, so that we had two kids and. It was a, it was like um, a little bit of a war zone when he first came home because when those little babies come home, they usually send them home on oxygen with a monitor that beeps, that goes off. You can't sleep, so we would like do tag team. You know, three nights, three, you know, four hours. You stay downstairs, I'll go upstairs, <laughs> then we'll switch. <laughs> so, oh it my was goodness, dumb. that sounds crazy. It was quite an ordeal. But anyway, after all of that, everyone survived. Everyone's happy. I'm back practicing law, and things just my wheels to fall off it was kind of like I finally got everyone through all the the hard parts Mm -hmm. and then I finally I guess thought I've learned now once all that's over it's safe for you to fall apart so so I did my own version of falling apart Um, and part of part of that led me to realize I wasn't really happy anymore practicing law because I was a litigator and I was trying cases in court and it's really hard to go off and try a case for a week up in Burlington Vermont where I live in Vermont when I have my two babies at home, right? And I've, I've all always thought women can do it all. But I was like, you know, this, this woman can't do it all. And I'm not even enjoying it anymore. So, um, so I, I took myself um, to a career counselor someone who I knew said oh you should talk to so-and-so they're a career counselor and I got really lucky because they were this really fabulous holistic career counselor mm-hmm. um, who were able to talk through what well what do you like what don't you like what are your natural interests and got me to like think out of the box about what else I might like to do and so when it came up about me going back to school and getting a degree in psychology I was like, I can't do that. That, And she's like, why not? I was like, that would be like the most fun thing in the world. It would be such a luxury. I couldn't even imagine doing something that fun. She's like, hmm, <laughs> you know? And so with a little, little nudging, we got around to, hmm, maybe if it is actually the most fun thing in the world that you would love to do, um, you should consider it. Possibly. Yeah. <laughs> and so i gave myself then permission to do that and um was able to kind of do one of those uh uh through Antioch. they have an, had an adult um program for masters where you only had to be on site one day a week initially so i actually could practice law and start this masters program wow. and and i did that I for can't a little take while take care of two babies at I home can't take care of two babies yeah there's a lot of very early morning yeah people. yeah <laughs> But the good news is eventually I, I retired from my law practice and I finished school and I got a job at uh, at, well, I didn't get a job, but I got my first job having a private practice in psychotherapy with a lo- local little practice group, and it was fabulous. And so I, I loved it. I, I always had had an interest in psychology from the standpoint of I read every single self-help book there was on the planet, right? <laughs> um, mm-hmm. So um, I always was just so interested in how do you improve yourself? How do you change your behavior if you want to change your behavior? And so, um, so then all of a sudden, I got the honor of actually being able to walk other people through shifting their lives and changing their lives. And I found the field of positive psychology, which I'm I'm sure you've heard of, but it's not the, it's not positive psychology in the sense that you're, quote, working to be happy, but it's positive psychology um, out of the University of Pennsylvania, Martin Sullivan, Seligman's work around what uh, lets people thrive? What are some of the evidence-based things that lets people optimize their lives and really flourish in the world? And then they identify certain pillars. And and I I thought that was just fabulous. So then that became the basis of when I started doing coaching work. So so the idea is that often in, in psychology with psychotherapy, you're trying to get people from you know, south of neutral up to neutral. So they're just functioning. And then with positive psychology, you're taking people who are functioning at neutral, but really would like to increase their, you know, and optimize their performance in some area of life. And so that's where the coaching work came in. And it does feel at this point, like a bit of a calling. And I really, really love working with my clients um, for their own personal transformation when they know they, they want to change. They're not sure. They have the clarity or they're not sure of the steps to take, or they come up against all those in, inner barriers, you know, that hold us all back, the fear and all the, all of those little stumbling blocks along the way. So, wow. so that's the, the well, short version.
1: <laughs> and I go back to where you were going to school, you were practicing law and you were taking care of your kids. Where did you find time to do all that? I just want to know because <laughs> I know there are moms out there that are going, how in the world could she juggle all of those
0: things? Well, and did so, you that? did you, right. Understand? So obviously I, I couldn't do it with a sustainable and graceful pace. Cause that's you know probably why I stopped. I did have super help. A woman, an older woman uh, who had already raised her kids was coming into the house to help um so we owe Susan a a debt of gratitude beyond what you can imagine um so that was super helpful and I think that I still had negotiated with my partners to only work four days a week so that was helpful and I am a morning person which is very helpful because I don't mind getting up at the crack of dawn to do early early
1: yes that makes the difference doesn't it you can get so much done if you can get up (laughs) early and before the kids
0: but yeah. I, I do love learning. That's the other thing is, you know, I read fast. Well,
1: when you said it was like such an exciting thing to to learn, I knew that learning was definitely your like love language. Like you just love doing that. So that, that in itself tells me that you were driven just because it's something you actually enjoy doing, which I love that. Yeah. Um, so as you get through this and you actually get your psychology degree you actually get your first client um, and it sounds like you're just like in love with it. Like this is feeling like exactly what you need to do. Like, so you felt like you were just driven to do this. So you also shared with us just a little bit about your husband and you um, were, you know, having a little bit of a hard time during that. Was that when things kind of went sour just from having the, uh, conflict of all the electronical things and taking care of the baby and and all of those things can you yeah.
0: yeah I think that if you look at the statistics um you know around couples who have those you know high high need kids um the the for, unfortunately the divorce rate is pretty high um and he, he's a wonderful man we we still co-parent fabulously together That's great. um I think that some pieces of the clarifying of who I wanted to be and how I wanted to be in the world just led us to be more and more, you know, Mm -hmm. separate in our ways. Um, But I do think there was a lot of um, extra, extra stress around our relationship, trying to care for the two kids when they were younger that they, you know, it really was like a life or death situation, even once they were out of the hospital. Um, And so I think that level of stress you know, put a few cracks in there. Yeah,
1: Yeah. it's definitely difficult. So you also shared you went from being straight to being gay. Um, So when did that transition happen for you?
0: Yeah, that was that was a little later. Um, And I I wish I had a fabulous story around this, but it was a surprise (laughs) to me as well. It was one of those things that just In my world, it just was never uh, something that I had contemplated. I had tons of friends um, that I loved who were gay, but I just hadn't really ever had that kind of thought pattern or inclination. Um, And then one day I did, you know, it just, (laughs) I don't, I don't, I have no explanation of how this happened, but at at some point uh, I did. And then as I got more clear, I was like, you know what, this has probably been there the whole time, but I just never considered it as an option. And so I do, I play ice hockey on a woman's ice hockey team here in Brattleboro, Vermont, beautiful Brattleboro, Vermont. Ice hockey, wow, this is amazing. I took took it up late in life. Uh Um, And and I met more people who identified as gay on my hockey team than I ever had met in any other venue. Uh And so I know that. That sounds so trite, like oh, I just never met that many people who <laughs> identified it. But it was really just kind of like oh, this is a thing that people do, and actually, it's okay. And and look at these wonderful people, <laughs> right? So, um, and, and as I got more and more clear, I'm like, these actually are my people. Like this is my tribe. Like these are the people I've been looking for to to really fit in with my whole life. And um, they still, re- you know, remain my tribe today. Um, I'm actually recently engaged. Um, and I've been with uh, my partner. But nine years now um but since we each had our own families post-divorce we never tried to join them so we've we've been living in separate houses raising our children um and now there's a new one because we had to adopt a little seven-year-old a couple summers ago that are siblings to her kids so long story but we um you know so it's a nice it's a nice wonderful community that i've found here that I love and the great thing is my ex-husband is very supportive about this so that's good that's good that makes a big difference doesn't it
1: Yeah. yeah so um you also talked about from being drinking to sobriety so was there a time in there that that became an issue obviously Well, actually, you'd think
0: obviously, but but no, this is a little different. It's a little different story. It's um, I have alcoholism in my family, um, and I've always, since I was young, had this really strong understanding that someday I might need to stop drinking, because uh, my father has, you know, has been in recovery for alcoholism, and uh, there's other family members that have had so from a young age, I always kind of understood like, oh, this is possibly a genetic thing. And it's possibly something that I need to look at and worry about. So I was always watching it and watching it and always wondering when will I actually need to stop drinking? It just was kind of like on my agenda, like someday I'll need to stop drinking. And I think it became a big issue then it was just
1: like an understanding that you were like, okay, I think I, you know, maybe this could be a problem. I can see it going that direction. Maybe I need to just, Get rid of it, kind of. Yeah, thing. I think that's
0: what I'm hearing. Right, it's like the balance of um mon- when you're so uh, uh, attuned to it, you mm-hmm. monitor yourself, and so mm-hmm. when the balance of monitoring yourself becomes so much that you, like you're spending time and energy and brain energy, like monitoring, like how, how and I just drink wine, you know, like you're, I'd have my glass of wine after work, but mm-hmm. then you start like, did I have half a bottle of wine tonight? You know, how much of that bottle did I drink? And then you, yes. you know, you start counting your Noticing little drink. patterns and things yeah. that could lead to that. Yeah. So. And so I kind of got to the point where I'm like, I don't want this to get any any different than it is, and and I should, this is probably a good time to stop, because I've seen when people get to a place where they're actually physiologically addicted to alcohol, and it's not pretty, and I never wanted to experience that, so I kind of, like, prophylactically stopped drinking um before it got to a place where I would have, you know, someone else would have thought,
1: that. yeah, and to realize that, hey, you know, this could be a potential problem, and I need to be careful here. So I think that's wonderful that you recognize that. So now you're into this business and you're actually coaching and um doing your your therapy. Um is that right? You're in well, you're doing both of them.
0: Well, so no, I I've, I've phased out of um, therapy over the last year or so, and now, and now I'm taking on co- new coaching clients exclusively. Okay. yeah.
1: So tell us a little bit about that. What kind of coaching are you doing and um, what uh, kind of people are are your clients that you're working with and things like that? So if somebody does need someone in, you know, that same realm that, you know, could reach out to you, can you tell us a little bit about that?
0: Absolutely. So I um, I have really focused on um, people who are um, kind of becoming themselves. So I run run a Facebook group called uh, Becoming Boundless, uh, and in that group uh, we kind of I give free trainings, and we talk about kind of the psychology of change. And so, kind of everything from meaning and purpose and clarity with what is, you know, what is your your unique meaning and purpose that you make of your life, to then how do you move towards that, and how do you kind of be be that more in the world? And often there's um, some resistance that comes up as people have a vision of what they want to be doing or how they would like to be, but they hit blocks along the way. So a lot of the work we do is. Um, kind of that deeper work, which I can do because of my, my psychotherapy practice, mm-hmm. you know, do a little deeper work on how do you move through those usually uh, subconscious limiting beliefs that you may not even realize you have until you start hitting up against them. I'm like, why am I not moving forward? I, know, I want to do this, but I'm not, you know, I'm not doing it, or I'm spinning my wheels, or I'm doing the same thing over and over, not making progress. So then we work through that phase of things. And then um, there's an element of accountability and support that comes along with that. So I usually work with people in six months chunks of time minimum, because that's about how long I've, in my experience, it takes to kind of make that whole arc of transition and, and really have it sink in. Yeah.
1: Right, right. Well, it sounds like partly in your situation, that was what happened to you. So you were uh, a lawyer and you went to this specialist that said, you know, what do you want to do? What are your interests? What are your likes? What are your things that you're desiring? And you were able to plan that out. So was that kind of a driving force for you to do this? Just knowing that, you know, you almost felt like, you know, how can I do something that I really want to do kind of thing? It's almost like you had to give yourself permission. Um, Is that part of why you're kind of headed in this direction and doing this kind of work? Yeah, I think that might be
0: yeah i think the gift of of helping people become more into their authentic self is an, is a wonderful gift so i received that gift from that coach and um and so when i after you've done it and and then you've taught it a few times you get comfortable like this is a process I'm comfortable and familiar with. And I'd love to share this process with you, right? If you are someone who's feeling frustrated or stuck, or really just not sure if you're doing the right thing or in the right place, you know, you want to shift something in your life, like, let's talk because that way, maybe I can help you move to where you would rather be. Um, And so many people get stuck along the way to, to being their full authentic self because of Cultural messages or family messages, or just those, you know, built in, baked in limiting beliefs that we all have. That if you don't kind of expose them and and look at them and kind of decide consciously to to work on changing them, you're not going to be able to make that real leap to the transformation that you want.
1: Right, right. So true. So I know you have um, a course that you are programmed that you do, it's online. Um, you also have your group uh, Facebook, which you talked about. Can you share with us the name of that again?
0: Yes, it's called Becoming Boundless. Um, becoming if you boundless. search in Facebook for "you becoming boundless," it it pops up with my my little face. Um, and I, I I do free trainings from time to time. We did a Purpose and Meaning um, small workshop a couple weeks ago, and at the end of the month, I'm doing a big masterclass. Um, I'm calling it an advanced mindset uh, masterclass, and so I don't know when this is airing, but um, that's uh, March 26th and 27th. But I do that's those free group. group, and that's in my free group, right? Exactly. Okay. Right. Uh, and so I run those type of trainings pretty regularly, where I kind of give give free content out and and let people kind of learn from me, and then inevitably, you know, there'll be a person or two that it really resonates with them and they want to work more with me and that, that works out really well.
1: Awesome. And so if they were to do this program or wanted to find out more about it, where would they go to be able to find out more about your program? Is it in your free group or do you have a
0: website or? Well, so I do have a website. Um, that I do both. I do a little consulting, the positive psychology consulting with businesses as well. Um, and so my website is called Apropositive, um, like a positive. So it's That's just cool. www.apropositive.com. And I, right now I have a pop-up, you know, that comes up like sign up for the free training, right? On the first page there, you can register for the free training there. Um, and there's ways to um, contact me and even set up a free complimentary you know consultation call if if anything resonated with people and they wanted to just hop on the phone with me I have a scheduling link people can just hop on and I'm happy to chat.
1: perfect. What can they expect with your free training that you have on there? what kind of things do you share with them?
0: the the master class that we're coming up well, so we did that little meaning and purpose one that was kind of focused so um, but um but the master class is going to actually be several sessions of, of kind of basic mindset work, kind of exposing um, the, the the core work is around limiting beliefs, um, but it's first educating people on what mindset even is, um, how do we change it, and then when you, can you identify things that you might be being held back by, what role does fear play, and then these limiting beliefs, can we like actually get at them. I have a little technique I use to get at people's subconscious limiting beliefs that they might not even know.
1: Ooh, that sounds really good. I really and then,
0: that. and then we get to play with that a little and just see, you know, um, once you see it, can, what does it mean for you? Um, and so then how does that help you shape your path forward from there? So that's why I'm calling it advanced mindset. I've, I do other trainings that are more just kind of the foundations of positive psychology and, and what those pillars are and how, how to live a good life. We do those too. But this one coming up, is the I'm calling it the advanced mindset workshop accelerator, you know, or masterclass accelerator. Sounds
1: great. So it's in your group then. Yeah,
0: it'll be based in your group. Great.
1: Awesome. Well, I appreciate you, Kirsten, getting on today and sharing your awesome story. Now I usually ask at the very end, what is the one thing that, or I know there's probably multiple things that you use, but what is one thing that you can share with others that helped you to, Be able to make that transition that you made in your life and do the things that you love. Um, Was there one thing that you can share with us that might help someone else to be able to move past their situation?
0: You know, I am, um, I've been a people pleaser my whole life, but I have to say that every time I have shifted my life, I have had to do it despite what other people think. Uh, All the good things I've accomplished in my life have been against the advice of somebody, right? (laughs) Why would you quit the law after, you know, right why why would you leave your husband (laughs) um good question especially when he's a very good man um and and you know why well a lot of people question why anyone would stop drinking if they don't seem to have a problem right so you know just never just if you not don't listen to what other people say but go from your truth um you know you're gonna be able to and and then it it takes courage i guess that's like don't listen and have the courage to make that leap despite people that might not people saying I yeah. really love that because yeah. how many times
1: do people say things and then it causes you to stop and think well am I am I crazy for doing this you know but their situation their life is not yours and so we have to make our own decisions don't we we have to make the own decisions for ourselves, and if you feel right about it and sometimes it makes no sense. Sometimes you look at it and even yourself and go, am I crazy for not doing this? But it just feels like the right thing to do. And so I really love that you shared that because I, I'm 100% on board with that as well. I think we need to listen more to our inner self and, and what feels right for us and less about what feels right for other people and go with that. Because like you said, those are your defining moments. Those are the moments where you really became your own. And, you know, we can't ever do that if we're always worried about other people. So thank you for sharing that today. Appreciate it.
0: Thank you so much for having me.
1: Awesome. Well, we will have the uh, links in the show notes for you guys to be able to link and find uh, her Facebook page and also to... Uh, get the free training and things like that. So Kristen, again, thank you for being on the show today and sharing your amazing story. We really appreciate it.
0: Thank you. And you have a great rest of your day.
1: Thank you. This is Donna Gammon and this is Power to Grow. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you've enjoyed the show, please leave a review now and I will give you a free download of my blessed morning this is something that is worth so much it's what i use to get past my past if you know what i mean until our next show thank you again for joining us this is donna gammon and this is power to grow